My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give participants in a wide range of social change work a chance to take a longer view as they talk about what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Jacqueline Thant. One of the central ways that the colonial domination of this continent has occurred since contact has been through attacks on the many different ways of doing gender and sexuality that were traditional to the many different indigenous nations of this land, and the imposition of the patriarchal and heterosexist gender and sexual order of the settler society. This has resulted, for instance, in the particularly vicious, state-enabled violence that means so many indigenous women go missing or are murdered. It also has meant that roles within these traditional ways of doing gender and sexuality that might be read into the settler categories of lesbian, gay, bi, trans, or queer have historically been attacked and erased. In the last few decades, the term two-spirit has emerged. It serves as a pan-indigenous way of identifying in the process of recovering the specific ways of doing gender and sexuality that were traditional to different nations, in the course of navigating queer and trans-spectrum identities and communities that some but not all two-spirit people might relate to, and as a way to push back against the colonial domination of indigenous bodies and lives. Thant is a Cree Métis woman who lives in Edmonton, Alberta. Her experience of two-spirit organizing in the city had been that there had not yet been enough opportunity for women-identified two-spirit people to come together to learn, to support each other, and to collectively engage in efforts to create change. And so she recently organized a discussion series bringing two-spirit Indigenous women together to begin that work and with the hopes of catalyzing more of it in the future. She speaks with me about the meaning of two-spirit and about her recent organizing with two-spirit women in central Alberta. I spoke with her by Skype to phone from Edmonton. My name is Jacqueline Found. I am a Cree Métis woman from the Fishing Lake Métis Settlement, which is located about four hours northeast of Edmonton, Alberta. I am a social worker by profession. I am also a community activist in many different arenas. And I also wear many other labels and hats, which I won't get into at this juncture. But one of the hats that I'm currently wearing is that of an organizer for a two-spirited women's collective series that's happening through the Pride Center of Edmonton. Well, the Pride Center of Edmonton is one of our partners, along with the Gender-Based Violence Prevention Initiative out of the University of Alberta, as well as the Alberta Public Interest Research Group. And we've all come together as a means to give voice to two-spirited, female-identified women and to talk about the issues that are meaningful and relevant to us as two-spirited women, but also any other labels that we might use to navigate through our various communities like gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered, queer, questioning, and pansexual. The term two-spirit, the actual definition is so varied among First Nations communities, and also within political arenas, I think we would be remiss to remove the political aspect because it does have a huge implication in how we are defined as two-spirit people. I think first, if we were to look at how 
traditional communities define the term two-spirit, we'd find a myriad of different traditional teachings. And even within those traditional communities, whether you be Cree, Blackfoot, Ojibwe, Mohawk, you would have a traditional language translation for the term two-spirit. As you can tell from the words two-spirit, that is an English word or English words. And that name has actually only been around for about 20 years. Again, if you were to go into those different traditional territories, they would be able to translate the term two-spirit into a traditional name and give you the traditional teaching on two-spirit people. And depending on the teachings, we had many different roles as healers, as caregivers, as mediators. We served a very important role in traditional communities, and that certainly was lost over the period of residential schools and colonialism. As colonialism took over, we began to lose our very sacred places in our traditional communities. Not only that, but elders whose teachings became, for lack of a better way of saying it, became whitewashed. We as two-spirited people became, I think in their eyes, sort of perverted, or that who we were was something to be ashamed of. And so the term two-spirited was something that came as a result of the need to politically organize as a group. But also under that umbrella, we began to bring the teachings in and to come together as the two-spirit group. Unfortunately, different places and spaces throughout Canada and the States and in other countries have mobilized a bit differently than we have here in Alberta. We've been slow to mobilize here in Alberta for whatever reason. I think a lot has to do with our political context. And we've mobilized very differently here than, say, in New York. Going into this series, I probably had more questions than I did answers. And so part of why I was a part of organizing this series was to find the answers and find the answers within our own community because their voice was so absent in how we defined ourselves, at least in my opinion. And what I did note in my own personal experiences was that we still lived in a society that believed in dichotomies. So you were either male or female. There was no space for anything outside of that. And in reaction to that, I started to move into the queer communities, which tried to remedy that dichotomy through being what I would define as genderless, right? Or androgynistic or resisting those labels, resisting those dichotomies or those heterosexual normatives of male and female. And I tried to seek some answers within the queer community and I felt some affinity there. But again, as an Aboriginal woman, I felt like there was more. At the same time, I was also part of the Two-Spirited Circle of Edmonton. And there's been some really good work done in terms of education about what is Two-Spirited, or even just to bring to awareness the actual term itself, Two-Spirit. Because prior to that, what our Aboriginal youth and our Aboriginal population kept identifying with was gay, lesbian, maybe bisexual. Historically, like even when I came out, those were the communities that you went into. The Two-Spirit movement started to grow as a result of education and awareness building about who they were. But even though the Two-Spirited Circle of Edmonton did have the Two-Spirited teachings, which were conveyed to us by a heterosexual male spiritual leader, and as for myself, as a biological female who still had the ability to create and grow and give birth to life, I was missing the women's teachings. So it was really quite interesting learning these teachings from 
this person who was not living in our own community and didn't have our own experiences. And so to me, that kind of lent itself to some oppressive practice that I, I think that we weren't able to name. I began to name it. And also some elements of sexism within our own two-spirited community. And again, you know, I've got my hands slapped for using these terms and saying this out loud because, you know, within the two-spirited teachings, ideally, we are a third gender. If you take it even further within the Aboriginal traditional teachings, it is said that we have between five and eight genders, which we're not aware of. And it's certainly not talked about in our traditional teachings here on Cree territory. <laughs> As I sat with a two-spirited circle of Edmonton, and I sat among my many two-spirit male-identified brothers, I kept asking the question of where are the women? For a very long period of time, the board consisted of mostly male-identified two-spirited persons. And I would say that I was, as a bio-female, who is still strongly identified as female, I was a minority, minority, minority. And there was one other trans woman who sat on the board as well, and who was also a very strong spiritual person. And we had several very strong spiritual leaders who were men within our circle as well. So it was just interesting how what I would define as elements of patriarchy and sexism started to manifest themselves in our circle. And I loved, I, I totally adore the two-spirit men that I sit with. I absolutely adore them. So this is not about them personally, because I know they walk through the world with good, good hearts. But again, I think some of their spiritual practices were not based in an awareness of how some of those teachings have been changed or may contain elements of colonialism. And so I felt that I needed to create a space for female-identified, two-spirited women so that they could be at this table, they could be sitting within this circle, making decisions on how two-spirit people would live and play and work within an Edmonton context or even an Alberta context. And so I sat down with the Pride Center and I sat down with the Gender-Based Violence Prevention Initiative and with APERG and we talked about how we could potentially create a space to educate and tell the stories of two-spirit women. So that's how the series began. We're kind of looking at this as an opportunity to bring awareness and education and bring the women together. We're looking at it as more of a launching off point for maybe some spaces that we can create for women to continue to tell their stories and to give them space to come together and sit at those political decision-making tables. Were you looking to bring together mostly women that you already know, or was there a, a broader outreach in hoping to connect with people that you had not previously connected with? Definitely the goal was to reach out to women that normally wouldn't have access to this. So we were really looking at rural communities, specifically First Nations communities. And even within Edmonton, the population that we were attempting to reach out to is a very, 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 very small population. But then to try to branch out and reach out to those rural communities, we were recognizing that there were several logistical challenges in that I had tried to reach out to different Aboriginal or Native women, gay, lesbian, bisexual, social groups, and try to get them to engage in the series. But again, logistically, for those who lived, you know, eight hours outside of Edmonton, it was not very possible for them to participate in this. And so in our first session, we attempted to Skype some women in. And even again, some didn't have internet. Some didn't have Skype, so we even thought about having them call in. 
again, there were some very, very big logistical challenges. And with limited time and energy, if you're a female who has a family, your opportunities for education and politically being a part of these circles is very limited. So recognizing those limitations, we said, okay, well, so if our goal is to educate or to have discussions about how Indigenous women define themselves, whatever community they sit in, we wanted to share those discussions with the women who couldn't be there because they lived too far away or they had limited technology. And so one of the ways that we have attempted to engage women who live in remote First Nations communities or remote communities is we have video recorded all of our sessions. And so we are currently in the process of editing that and we will put that up on Facebook. We've had phenomenal speakers just amazing women who have shared their stories and provided us with information on what is sex, what is sexuality, what is gender. And so those videotaped sessions will go on YouTube for all of these women that we couldn't physically bring in. It's for them to be able to hear these stories and hopefully it'll help them to define who they are and recognize that they're not alone, to recognize that they have support and that they have women who can empathize and sympathize with their struggles, if there are any struggles. And also, if they're doing really well in their communities and they have been accepted, because there are First Nations communities that don't see a difference, that two-spirit families have blended in and become a part of their community and a part of their ceremonies. And so it's also to recognize what good stuff is happening out there in terms of acceptance and belonging, uh, not just to talk about the struggles and the harm that's being created, because there is such good work and good things happening out there in the, with Two-Spirit families and within Two-Spirit communities and within First Nations communities. And so, again, part of why we wanted to videotape this is to also continue the dialogue and discussion on a Facebook page and also potentially looking at creating a blog where we can continue to connect with each other wherever we live and love. So tell me a bit more about the arc of the four sessions. What were the key things that you wanted to accomplish in each of the four sessions? So the first session, we thought it was really important to first define what is two-spirit. Recognizing that I previously said that the word two-spirit is widely defined according to different communities and different political groups. So what we did was we had asked Harlan Pruden, who sits with the Two-Spirited Society of New York, to give us his definition of two-spirit according to his organization. He has been a very prolific advocate in the Two-Spirit community, and he's very strongly politically grounded in the movement. And when I first met him, and that was about a year ago, I was still kind of struggling with, did I want to be identified as Two-Spirit? And kind of saying, well, because I'm Aboriginal, does that mean that I have to identify as Two-Spirit? Because I've been in the lesbian community for almost 10 years, and I've traveled into the queer community, and I've found value in all of those communities. And Harlan said to self-identify as Two-Spirit solely for the means to politically organize, if nothing else. So I heard that. And ever since that day, I have very proudly worn the label of Two-Spirit, again, so that we can politically organize and we can gather under that umbrella. And it is a term that allows us to recognize each other and embrace each other immediately, right? 
So I found those words of wisdom very valuable. And so as such, when it came time to find someone who can define what Two-Spirit was, I felt very comfortable in asking Harlan, although he's not female-identified Two-Spirit, he's male-identified, I felt very comfortable in allowing him to put forward this information to our Indigenous women because he has been such a strong advocate in the community. And so he provided us with a one and a half hour presentation and lots of information in there, lots of good information. And so that provided us with a foundation to talk about what is Two-Spirit and to integrate that knowledge into who we are and to help us create a foundation as we move forward. The second session of the series was a discussion on the Two-Spirit family, honoring the Two-Spirit family. And a very beautiful, wonderful lady by the name of Roxanne Tatusis facilitated the discussion. And she told her story about being the mother to a daughter who is transgendered, male to female. And this is the first time that she'd ever publicly told her story. It was very impactful. We also had people sitting with us in the circle that also had two-spirit family members. And we wanted to put forward the message that family is still a very central part of who we are as Aboriginal people, whatever label we wear. But it's especially important to acknowledge that there are two-spirit families. There are children who have two mothers. There are children who have two fathers in our communities and that they deserve to be celebrated and acknowledged. So that was the second session. And then moving into the third session, we made it a little bit more focused on Indigenous bodies. So the theme was Indigenous bodies as sovereign nations. So understanding that the person is political. So when you talk about an Indigenous two-spirit woman, what are those layers of politicalness that occur on the body? And so we had Tracy Bear come in. She is a PhD student. She also sits as a special advisor to the Office of the Provost at the University of Alberta. And she is writing her thesis on Indigenous sexuality and erotica through various art forms. We thought, wow, this is such an important conversation to have to talk about our sexuality. And that our sexuality has always been there, has always existed. And why was it taken outside of ourselves? Her presentation on erotica, Indigenous erotica, was just amazing. It showed how artists throughout the years have tried to teach us what a healthy sexuality was and is. It also gave us permission to talk about it, to talk about, you know, what is healthy sexuality? What does that look like? Especially since Indigenous women have been highly objectified and sexualized, and hence why we see the high numbers of murdered and missing Aboriginal women. And I think this was a way of reclaiming our sexuality, taking it back and saying, no, it doesn't belong to you. You can't buy it. You can't take it. You can't own it. It belongs to me as an Indigenous woman. And so that's why this presentation was so impactful. It gave us ownership of our own sexuality and whatever that looked like. It didn't have to stay within a very whitewashed box, if you will, or it wasn't sanitized. It was just raw. Even Tracy's wording was very cheeky and very gritty. She read some excerpts of erotica from various Indigenous writers. And for us to hear that was just so rare and unique. First of all, to know that there are Indigenous writers who write erotica. And it's like, well, where can we get our hands on this? And to see our bodies as healthy sexual beings, not something, again, that belongs outside of us, that people can take from us. And as I said, to reclaim it. 
and to have that sovereignty over our own bodies was highly, highly, God, it was so impactful and emotional. The second part of our presentation was by Denise Lambert, who is the owner of Health Options. And Denise has been a strong, strong advocate in the AIDS and HIV movement for many, many years. And she talked about the criminalization of AIDS and HIV. And again, when we talk about the power being taken outside of ourselves, outside of our own bodies, when we talk about the criminal justice system, more often than not, the power is taken outside of ourselves in terms of laws that dictate who we are or how we're supposed to navigate through the world. And when we talk about layers of oppression, we talk about consequences of the criminalization of our bodies, which, you know, the criminalization of AIDS and HIV is. It's essentially criminalization of our bodies. And so the laws take control and power over our bodies and will decide what happens to them. We also wanted to acknowledge that the consequences of criminalizing AIDS and HIV comes with its stigma, but also for Indigenous women, there's a larger impact than for men, especially if those women are mothers. Again, there's intersecting isms that get put into an Indigenous woman's burden basket, and that's what we also wanted to give voice to. So how do we create meaningful solutions so that we're not pushing Indigenous women further into the margins? So that was session three. And now we're moving into session four, the last part of the series. It's going to be a celebration of Indigenous women. And so we are hoping to have people bring poems, spoken word, film, whatever gift they feel that they want to share with us on that day. We're going to hear those and see those and celebrate each other and have a feast. Again, it's not really an ending. It's going to be a launching off point for different ways of reaching out to each other, getting that information out there, and continuing the discussions in perhaps a different way. And also, our hope is to create some working groups out of that. So again, creating a space for some of those political action pieces. Yeah, and giving women that voice, which is so important, giving them the voice to talk about meaningful solutions for their own communities and their own families. I recognize that exactly what form it takes depends on a a lot of conversations and a lot of decisions by a lot of different people, but tell me a little bit more about your sense of the different things that you're hoping will launch from this series, that will come out of this series. Even though in the series we attempted to answer some questions, I think what came out of it is more questions and a need to bring more people into the circle that could help answer those questions. And so I think that there is an opportunity to have more discussions in the future. We also want to get a Facebook page started and hopefully a blog started as well and create a space within the electronic world to show those video recordings and any other recordings of events that are happening throughout Alberta and across the world. And yeah, just to continue to hear those stories and bring women together to support each other. I think that there is a lot of really good, amazing things happening out there in the Two-Spirit community, and we want to allow women to be informed about what is happening out there and to be a part of it in whatever way they can be, and to continue doing that outreach and bringing us together because we are powerful in numbers, and that's who we are. We're a collective. We depend on each other. We support each other. We We love each other, and I think it's so important to continue to reach out to each other. And you had mentioned that one of the things that may come out of this is politically focused working groups. Can you talk a little bit about what sorts of things that they might be working on? The Alberta Public Interest Research Group would like to start a two-spirit women's working group. 
APERC is a student-run, student-funded, nonprofit organization dedicated to research, education, advocacy, and action in the public interest. APERC exists to provide students with resources to be active citizens. So APERC is housed within the University of Alberta, but they are their own separate entity. Part of what their goal is, is to bring the university student population together with the community and to help their students become engaged and active citizens. And so APERG is hoping to start a working group for Two-Spirit Indigenous Women. And that working group will lead the way in deciding what sort of actions or what sort of events would be meaningful for their particular community giving them voice to lead the way in what is important to them. It's creating a political space for them to have a voice. And we're hoping to establish a social group out of the Pride Center for any other events that might be meaningful for Two-Spirit family, Two-Spirit women, so that they can essentially dictate where they would like our energy and resources to go in terms of continuing to evolve and grow as two-spirit women and families and what they would like to see and defining it according to what they need and want. Because it's going to be different from province to province, from country to country. And so we want to make this about what is meaningful for them within this Edmonton and Alberta context. And also, the hope is to get more of the women involved in the Two-Spirit Circle of Edmonton. I would love to see them equally participate and being a part of that circle as well. I want to put out a special acknowledgement. We have had a group of really amazing, amazing, amazing young women who have been participating in this series. They are a group of young women between the ages of 14 to 18 who define themselves as two-spirit, but also exploring the different communities of lesbian and bisexual and potentially queer. So they're at a point in their lives where they're defining who they are, not just as two-spirit women, but as Aboriginal women or Indigenous women. I have been so greatly honored to have them participate in this series because it has brought so much hope. These women will be giving birth to the next generation. And they are women that have so bravely and courageously tackled some of the biggest issues facing our community today. Issues of addiction, issues of abuse, and issues of multiple layers of oppression. And they've sat in this series and have been loud and proud to say, I am Two-Spirit. I am Indigenous, I am Aboriginal, and to bravely and courageously tell their stories. You have been listening to my interview with Jacqueline Fant, a Two-Spirit Cree Métis woman who recently organized a groundbreaking discussion series with Two-Spirit women-identified people in Edmonton, Alberta. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Sudbury, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thanks.